Well then, looks like I'm getting this episode out the door a bit late. I guess depending on where you are in the world, you're either well on your way to kicking off your Friday evening fun or already welcoming in your weekend. Either way, it is Friday the 11th of October, 2019. This is episode 121, and as promised, we have a very special guest. It's none other than Jordan Beale, my dear friend and fellow attorney from law school. Uh, So Jordan went on to build for himself a pretty spectacular real estate empire in the form of Beale Real Estate, spanning San Diego to San Francisco. And if you remember, we had a pretty cool chat in a prior episode, episode 113, I think it was, uh, about the impact on real estate by autonomous cars in the coming decades. And so as I had suggested then, I really wanted to get Jordan on this show. So it's really, uh, really, I'm really quite thrilled. It's my privilege and honor to have him on the show today. And we've got some pretty cool discussion up ahead for you coming up shortly. But first, as a friendly reminder, if you're a fan of this podcast, please don't forget to follow me on all social media at Autonomous Hogue. You can support my Patreon page, patreon.com slash Autonomous Hogue. And if you'd like to reach out to me or be a guest on the podcast, head on over to markhogue.com in the top right corner. There's a link to submit your booking request. That's how everybody that you've heard on this podcast got a hold of me. So don't be shy. Click the link if you'd like to be on the show. Right. So without further more to say, I uh, hope you're sitting comfortably. Jordan Beale of Beale Real Estate, episode 121, begins now. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Jordan Beal. It is good to have you on here, man. How are you, Mark? This is pretty awesome. Uh, we should we, we should probably share with folks that uh, we went to law school together, and you have gone on and built for yourself a pretty epic real estate empire. We, I have, and we did three years of uh, not so much fun, followed by a bar exam that I don't think any of us like. But- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, this is very cool. Well, look, obviously, real good of you to join me today. So why don't we just dive right in? Uh, you know, as I, as we discussed briefly offline, I mean, it was, it's just really great timing. We did a recent episode where I kind of dived into kind of the ins and outs of the impact on the real estate market that autonomous cars are likely to have in the future. Now, obviously I say future for there to be a real kind of meaningful impact. Obviously we're looking at at least five, if not 10 plus years down the road, uh, no pun intended. Um, so let me just, kick it off like this. I mean, look, one of the cool things about this discussion with you right now is, I mean, we're both car guys. You love cars as much as I do. At a really high level, what's your interest generally with autonomous vehicles? I think there's multiple facets, Mark, but one of them is that I think people will start living in communities that are uh, shorter commutes for them, right? Uh, If you're in an autonomous vehicle and you can get some work done, you may be less likely to have to commute further, you know? Hmm. That's actually that actually segues perfectly in one of the big overarching questions I had for you, which was my assumption has actually been perhaps naively that precisely because autonomous vehicles will effectively delete the concept of commuting with all of its negative implications, 
that actually this would sort of encourage people to live further away. Yeah, definitely possible. Definitely possible. I think it works both ways. Um, from a real estate perspective, it definitely kills the commute as you can work. But at the same time, you know, you're also not obligated to jump in the car and work on a short distance. You can get work done either way, which I think, you know, probably tech companies up in your area are doing with shuttles right now where uh, people are leaving earlier and getting work done and they're on the clock. Yeah, that, that is true. Um, and so I, I guess then let me just hit you with my biggest question that I've been dying to ask you is uh, my assumption, therefore, is that if if autonomous vehicles enable people to live further away from work more easily, more comfortably, commuting is just not a thing anymore, it's not a hassle, then somewhat paradoxically, doesn't this risk, therefore, at least potentially raising the cost of living, uh, say, in more suburban communities that, well, part of their big selling point, of course, was that they were less expensive than living in an urban core. So doesn't this then potentially kind of remove that last little huh, neighborhood, as it were, of more affordable housing? Yeah, Mark, you're a smart guy. Uh, yeah, you're absolutely right. I think my initial assumption is totally wrong after speaking with you. You know, the idea of being in this community where you could walk to work, um, yeah, it's going to reach out to the suburban areas and people are going to be able to live further away and the expense of living out will now increase as those homes increase in value. Um, which is great for the homeowners, I guess, but I guess it's it's going to make it a lot harder for people to get there in the first place, which to me seems like yeah, the, it's, the, it's sort of going to be a... Sub, mm-hmm. The barrier to the market, right? I mean, are you going to be able to get now well, yeah. to the market or tech companies going to be able to have employees uh, within reach? I don't know. And then the, the- which then further raises the question, what does in reach even mean anymore? Because already people work remotely generally and now arguably, for better or worse... You could think of a autonomous car as kind of the extension to your office, even to your home. Yeah, I mean, it's an extension to your laptop, right? Like, I'm already starting to work remotely, um, you know, just with traditional methods, I guess we would call now, you know, your iPhone, your Mac, um, video conferencing. And then, yeah, it's crazy, right? I mean, the thought of it is uh, the applicability of autonomous vehicles really does make the need for people to live by work um, less and less. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely a potential double-edged sword though, I suppose, because indeed it kind of, I guess, blurs that line between, well, every aspect of your life. Right. I mean, um, but here, let's actually talk about work specifically then you and I briefly started to talk about this uh, before we jumped on this, this call here together. Talk to me a bit about the, the impact, I guess your excitement, maybe even your concerns. I don't know about autonomous vehicles on the practice of real estate, like the actual work of doing real estate. Yeah. You know, I've given this some thought and, you know, today's buyer for the most part is online looking for their own home, right? Where someone like myself, that's an attorney with real estate transaction experience really provides value is during the transaction. So right now, you know, I've got a lot of clients that go, I found a home. I want to see it. Uh, Can you come show it to me? Right. Or I have a buyer's agent that will go show it to them. And then I really get involved when the professional transaction experience is needed. But with autonomous vehicles, what I would love to be able to do is kind of download the showings to the car so it's you know uh, mapped correctly, so it's as efficient as possible. And then what realtors use today, at least good ones, are lockboxes where keys are kept that are connected via Wi-Fi and Bluetooth. So essentially, you know, my buyers can go look at homes themselves, and then if they like something, I'll come in and give my input. But um, 
it would really make life a lot easier. And I find that people kind of like to look at homes on their own uh, initially. And then if they're interested, they want an expert opinion. Um, so it would be really cool to be able to kind of download showings to the car, give the best route possible, have them access the home remotely, um, and then come back to me. It would really cut out a lot of wasted time, frankly, because a lot of people look at homes. You know, I think my average buyer is six months and they probably look at 30, 40 homes. And 90% of those, they don't like immediately once they walk inside and there's really uh, no need for me. I don't wanna say there's no need for me completely, but there's no need for me to open a door, right? And my time could be better spent. And frankly, so could the client's time because they don't need to schedule um, these showings at times that are convenient for them. I mean, this is a genuinely fascinating use case. I mean, this kind of blows my mind. Um, so let's kind of unpack this a little bit. Like, what does this really look like? I mean, is this so? So one of the, I guess what I'll say is one of the. Um, so, well, as I usually put it, an autonomous future kind of presupposes a car sharing future. It must be the case that if this is all going to work properly, you need to have each of the following three elements. You've got to have electrification, automation, and car sharing. So the idea of having autonomous vehicles as privately owned vehicles, that's kind of antithetical to the very essence of what this is all about. Um, so when we, when you talk about being able to effectively download, say, the optimal route map for people to go check out homes. And I love the bit about how it automatically unlocks the lock boxes. <laughs> this is just so cool. Um, I mean, who's who, who would you imagine is actually therefore owning the cars themselves? I mean, is this something that the real estate firms themselves then would presumably own, right? I mean, I would assume so, you know, but if everyone's driving them, yeah, I don't know what that structure looks like, Mark, to be honest with you. Is it something I yeah. would invest in as a real estate owner, real estate brokerage owner? To be able to buy a car that could do this job, yeah, absolutely. It cuts out, you know, a salaried employee, which is what you know we call buyers agents that do nothing yeah. but showings. Um, you know, furthermore, I could download you know my description of the home if I've seen it before, because a lot of times I'm showing clients homes I've seen, or I can give them my insight when they arrive. Right? Yeah. So I guess yeah. Who owns the car? I'd be happy to. You know, it would cut out my expense of a salaried employee on a car that you know, would depreciate and uh, has a long life and <laughs> quite frankly, does a job that's uh, not the most complex. Yeah, for sure. Uh, this is super cool. So I guess let's carry it to the next logical extension then. What about, I mean, I know you're primarily or I guess exclusively focused on residential, right? Correct. Okay. Then maybe it's beyond the scope of this of this conversation. I don't know. But do you want to at least venture a guess where this could see things going in the commercial real estate market. So just to kind of kind of suggest something with a lead here. Um, so one of the topics that turns up a lot is what's going to happen with, say, roadside motels. So Motel 6, right? What's going to happen if people have easy access to autonomous cars? Are, they, are, are these motels just going to go out of business? What do you see, even if just thinking off the top of your head, what do you, what's your intuition? Yeah, I'm not sure. So is the thought process that the Motel 6 goes out of business because they're cheaper and a little further away from like the center of town? Ah, uh, sorry. No, no. So like, for instance, if you're driving from SF, say to LA, yeah. right? And previously, or maybe a bit further, let's say, but something that mandates a stop overnight. Um, I got it. You, know, you don't need to stop. Well, if everyone's got an autonomous car, you don't need to stop yeah. anymore. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know. Isn't that what trains are providing already? 
That's a good point. I suppose the idea is that, yeah. Big economy kind of, you know, conveying that. And um, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if that reach exists, to be honest with you. You have railway in place. You've got flight in place where you can get work done and do your own thing. And then you've got the gig economy with, um, you know, Uber and Lyft that kind of take you short distance. So who knows, but, you know, maybe Uber and Lyft, obviously, are going to move to autonomous vehicles eventually as well, right? Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Well, they certainly are. They've been working on it for a while. Um, yeah, so that's a good point. So I, I guess, so here's what I was going with it. This is sort of an idea I've had for a while is that the, that it could be the case that eventually we would see businesses that potentially stand to be hurt by the deployment of autonomous vehicles en masse, that we might see them effectively start to sort of build out their own white labeled fleet, right? So instead of an, a Motel 6 hotel, you'd have now an extension to their real property, which was formerly just buildings, they would effectively have, well, Motel 6 branded autonomous pod cars. Yeah, where you're, right? where you're and, sleeping in them. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's possible, right? I mean, because, <laughs> well, and, and here's where I'm going with this and why I'm asking you, right? Because uh, obviously that it, is a very good idea, right? Like, well, right. And so, but the, and the reason I'm asking you though is because then it sort of begs the question, like, well, where do you draw the line at some point between like real property and effectively real property on wheels. Yeah. <laughs> right. I mean, because it's like yeah. so take a standard pod car in somebody's house, right. Yeah. When it's docked, it could be effectively part of the living room and then it pulls away and it's no longer real property. Like how does that work? No, I think it comes down to, you know, customer service, right. There's someone who changes the bed in a self-driving car who checks someone in gives them advice. You know, it's almost the same as real estate. You can only take it so far. You know, when someone buys a million dollar car, there's a lot of a million dollar house. There's a lot of companies that will let you, you know, write the offer, see the house. There's no human touch. But eventually when someone makes a purchase or goes on vacation, I think they want to see some sort of human interaction. As much as we all think we can automate everything in life, uh, there are certain things that robots can't do. Right. It's making someone feel warm and fuzzy. When I check into a hotel and there's a mint on my pillow. Or someone's giving me advice on what to eat. Um, I think that makes a difference. You know, that's the difference between a good review and a bad. Do I want to sleep in my a car? Probably not. You know, you know, I'm a businessman on a, on a trip, and I'm expensing it, let alone spending my own money. Um, or just your average show traveler. I think they like uh, the warm and fuzzy aspect of it in some aspect. But yeah, is there a large majority of people that? you know, would prefer to save the money and have it that way, of course. Well, I think eventually there's a, there's a hope at least, if not a promise, that eventually these, these cars will be effectively rolling beds, right? So they should satisfy the comfort requirement, sort of like effectively to be a, like a first-class airplane uh, suite on wheels, I suppose. But, but, but I mean, l- looking then just to the actual just sort of legal definition really as to what constitutes real property, I mean, if you take this to its logical extent, literally a cube-ish shaped vehicle 
if it had sort of like a dock in your home so that when it's docked, it is literally and in every sense of the word, an, ex- like an, an additional room to your house, you know, at that point, it's, it's effectively at least an appliance or a, what do you call it? A, a fixture to a home. Right. So, so, I mean, but then once it leaves, it's no longer technically, if, you know, I guess you could still consider it a fixture, but it's like, does this sort of start to blur the line between real property and everything else? Oh, you got to make me think about that one on a legal end and a real estate end. So if it can so if it can leave no but at the same side you know why not just build i don't know man that's a tough one uh you know attorneys and taking (laughs) property law but uh if it can get up and go it's no different than a mobile home that's not part of your your residence okay that's a great you know what that's a great answer that's a good analogy you're right it's effectively a mobile home then yeah 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 yeah, fair point you know why not put an rv in your driveway you know that that's <laughs> that's a that's a good simple way of looking at it. See, see, this is one of the funny things talking about all things AV is the fact that things get a little bit overly stylized and romanticized. But you're right, really, what's the difference between that and and an RV? Um, eventually, we'll have ARVs, I suppose. Um, huh? Very interesting. All right, so well, then in that case, let's let's switch gears a little bit to say actual city design because I, I know this is sort of on the fringes of real estate specifically insofar as the kind of work you do. But since it's all interrelated, I, I think it's worth discussing. Um, do you have any? Just I'll just open it up broadly, and then I can more narrowly tailor this if you like. But at a high level, do you have any broad sweeping thoughts how the deployment of AVs will impact urban design generally? And optimally, how it might impact urban design from the point of view of new residences being built. You know, I can tell you down in San Diego right now, you're seeing a lot of urban land infill. Hmm. Um, residents that no longer require extensive parking requirements. And I think that is partially because, kind of double-edged sword here, right? They're close to communities where it's walking distance, biking distance. But when you have autonomous vehicles, parking is also less of a need, right? So you don't have these extensive parking requirements, these underground garages, you know, 17, whatever it is, this parking to resident ratio. And perhaps these things are parked offsite, you know, and then they're called to you. So that could have a huge effect on the density of um, housing. Mm. And there's definitely a shortage of housing. I know in San Diego, and I, I believe so in the Bay Area as well. <laughs> That's the understatement of the century. Yeah, for sure. Go vertical. Go vertical. You don't need the parking. Maybe you have the parking you know, 30, 40 minutes away. You schedule your pickups, and um, maybe that's the solution. You have multi-tiered uh, parking structures, which are definitely happening right now. You know, Cars are being held like storage. You have lifts come up and down, and um, yeah. Yeah. Well, that, that, uh, mm-hmm. you, may, you really think outside the box here, but – um yeah, everyone's thinking outside the box at this point it's all it's all fair game at this point so um so all right so let's let's then zero in on that a little bit so taxes obviously something in real estate you think about a lot i'm sure in the broadest sense of the term um so that then raises the question this notion of having all this now you know as you just mentioned having you know no longer needing parking close by this then raises that big question of how do we handle the influx of traffic, right? What do we do with the all these empty autonomous cars buzzing about, right, without occupants? They go here and there until they pick somebody up. My suggestion has always been that you have an occupancy tax, sort of like a carpool lane effectively. What do you 
What, what do you think? Is that something that would make sense? The carpool tax or is there a solution to cars just taking up space? Yeah, well, so there's this concern that if you've got cars going from A to B, so you, you got an autonomous car, it drops you off, say, at, um, at the office, right? And then yeah. to your point, it's not going to park there anymore. It can go somewhere else. But if you've got a bunch of cars driving around completely empty, you're just going to be clogging the roads unnecessarily, right? And so there needs to be some sort of incentive to ensure that these cars remain full of occupants. Now, obviously, this ties in neatly to the promise that eventually, if we are owning these autonomous cars, these then can be constantly driving passengers around to the point where the net cost of ownership is negative. So you're making money on them, right? That may not be enough incentive, though. Who owns the car? Well, that's the thing. Um, I think, again, there's this general premise that usually, the, the you know, it won't be privately owned. But for those who do privately own them, um, A, they're going to be presumably so wealthy that they won't really care about necessarily, I guess, adding additional revenue to the, you know, decreasing the cost of ownership with passengers. Um, alternatively, even if they did, well, you've got to make sure you don't have these cars driving around empty, right? So you've got to tax them with an occupancy tax has, has always been my suggestion. I mean, I think that, you know, the very wealthy that own these cars are no different than, no different than having a driver, right? That's a good point. Like, what, what's the difference? Yeah. You know, if, I, if I'm wealthy that, you know, it's my own autonomous vehicle instead of this kind of shared gig economy, uh, I'll just have a driver. You know, that's, that's interesting. That's, huh, that's a really good point. So I, I recently shared my experience being in L.A. for the first time without a car. Uh, a few months ago. And I thought, okay, let me just try to Uber around LA the whole weekend. And there's always been this kind of suggestion that certain certain cities, certain cultures in the world just aren't going to be okay with autonomous cars at all. And I thought, well, let me see how Uber at least does in LA. And it turns out that I was very pleasantly surprised. I actually loved it. In fact, counterintuitively, it was sort of the perfect fit, I thought, you know, not needing to deal with traffic and parking and this and that. And so I thought, well, if I'm okay with an Uber, then Sure, I guess that'd be totally fine with an autonomous car there too. So, and that's kind of your point, right? Which is, what's the difference? At the end of the day, if something or someone is driving you around, it's basically just a modern take on chauffeured driving. You know, if you don't have to own it and they're owned by private companies, let's say parking lot companies. Um, well, that's interesting. Yeah. Which is you know, probably the best investment in the world. There's two, two best real estate investments you can have, self-storage and parking lots because there's no overhead. Right. So hmm. if these people own the land and let's say you go subterranean and you start parking all these cars underground, above ground, whatever you can, because now it's like a warehouse. You have forklifts pulling them down, going, right? Maybe that's where it happens. You know, it's almost like the parking lot companies become the taxi cab companies. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. That is brilliant. That, that is awesome. That had never even occurred to me. Yeah, you're right. That's right. And also, well, also there's, there's something to be said about what are you going to do with a parking lot if nobody's parking in it? I mean, the same, but you're going to then run into the problem that you're killing jobs. 
So I wanted to touch on that. I, I wasn't sure if it's super beyond the scope of this, but since you said it, you kind of opened the door to it. That is the big question, right? So whether you're talking about commercial commercial trucking, whether you're talking about today's Uber drivers, taxi drivers, et cetera, what, what the heck is the solution? <laughs> Are you trying? <laughs> Simple question. Because I'm not ready to solve global hunger either. Uh, <laughs> the solution between um robotics and human jobs right that's the question with everything because right now everything can almost be replaced by a robot except for those things where you do need a human touch you know i know in high-end luxury real estate um no one's going to make the largest purchase of their life through a robot i can tell you that right now that robot doesn't know like a zillow estimate for example doesn't know if there's an ocean view or if the neighbor is horrible uh there's only certain analytics you could put in um, I think the question is, is when is that human touch needed? And that is going to be a problem for us going forward because as AI gets better and better, it's going to become less and less of a need. So um, I guess when will we have uh, artificial intelligence overtake um, humanity? And I think that's the ultimate question, right? And do we have to limit that? And eventually, the well, answer, if you think, yes, you yeah. have to. Um, you're, you're going to have to f- limit AI to sustain our economy because, you know, there's only so many people that can build robots, right? I mean, it's an interesting idea, right? The idea of limiting technology, limiting the forward process of technology, but that is effect. So certainly Elon Musk has gone on the record numerous times. He's concerned about this. Uh, maybe he's seen Terminator a few too many times. I don't know, but he's not alone in this. A lot of people are legitimately, genuinely concerned about this. Um, so yeah, it's a valid point. Um, maybe a more yeah. There's a theory for this, and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But where AI takes over, um, they become smarter. Than yeah, yeah. I think perhaps a more fair question really is why is it different? Why do we, as a society, seem more concerned now about the risk of people losing their jobs due to autonomous vehicles? Why is this? Why does this appear to be different than? say, with, with the advent of the automobile 100, 120 years ago, with, and people losing their jobs as, say, horseshoe, make, you know, blacksmiths making horseshoes and that kind of thing, or, or wagon operators. Like, why does this seem more concerning? I don't know. Is it? I mean, I, I think a lot of people are pretty scared when the, uh, you know, Ford automobiles are starting to be assembled on the manufacturer line. You know, they kept their, you know, that definitely killed jobs, right? Yeah. You know, that's a good point. Maybe it isn't any different. Maybe the only difference is the fact that we're more aware of it now because of obviously just social media generally. And of course, maybe it's just the sheer number of people. Maybe it's the sheer number of people in the the relatively short period of time over which this can have such an adverse effect if people don't trend. So so one of the one of the things I was thinking about was, you know, so I've been a huge proponent. You know, there's a larger disparity in wealth right now, well, yeah. perhaps than, you know, times uh, in our history and I think, you know, you had the Industrial Revolution, which also created jobs, but also took away, mm-hmm. but created more. And then you have the Technological Revolution that uh, actually created more jobs. And it's about shifting your economy, right? You know, um, we were a manufacturing society, but now we're more, you know, white collar, uh, high end software programmers, you know, mechanical engineers, electronical engineers, and everyone has to adapt. You know, the fear is based out of not being able to make a living. Um, and the question is, is at what point does AI eliminate more jobs than it creates? 
that's yeah, that's a good point. No one has that answer, but the only way you can really do it, in my opinion, you have to limit AI. I mean, what is it? Every 10x every year, AI gets you know mm-hmm. more intelligent. Isn't that the rule? Something like that, yeah. Something like that, but I mean, just in our lifetime alone, it's crazy. I think what we have to worry about is our children, right? You know, there's got to be a source of income somewhere, not just for the smart, but for everyone. Because without a a middle class, you have revolution, right? And then people revolt, and then technology goes backwards, and that's not the key to humanity. It's not the key to the future. Uh, we need to progress, and we need to progress electronically, technologically, and um, just as a culture. So these are huge issues facing our society right now. And I think we're at a point where uh, they need to be addressed and addressed sooner than later. That's very well said. And, but it is somewhat ironic, I still think. I agree with it, but it is a bit ironic, the notion that we may have to hold things back in order to better sort of preserve society, as you say, keep that middle class and so on. And I just think, at least to me anyway, it's, it's a bit counterintuitive, but I do agree. I do agree. Um, Mark, we do it with inflation rates, right? Huh. There's always mechanisms by government to slow growth. You know, whether it's economical by lowering interest rates or it's tariffs. Um, point. Our system isn't ready. Our system isn't ready for what yeah. we're able to do. And humans take a to change. And um, until we come up with alternatives to keep people employed, it may be necessary to restrict technological advances. Um, I hope not. You know, I I have faith that we'll progress and we're a progressive society and we continue to evolve. But (laughs) uh, maybe my faith in humanity is um, too much. Huh. Yeah, those are... Not a downer note, but, you know, I think you got to... You have to let humans catch up sometimes with technology and themselves. Well, you know, that's actually a perfect segue in the couple of minutes we have left that I, I did want to touch on that. You know, we should take a step back for a moment and just remind ourselves that, look, we've been talking about kind of the end game of autonomous cars, right? So this is where things are going to end up. But let's not forget that um, fully autonomous cars defined as level five, meaning you can literally just get in and go to sleep. Those are realistically probably still 10 to 20 years out um i was saying i fell asleep in my 530e yesterday and i was fine yeah <laughs> i know our, our little glc does pretty good lane keep assist and adaptive <laughs> cruise hey it's better than nothing i'll take it you know it really does make a big difference but but yeah so so i think what's so you know what we will have level four and level four is effectively geofenced deployment right and so my my expectation is that there can be at least some transition period to avoid people actually losing jobs where in these level four vehicles um, they'll be able to at least keep a job as a backup driver, you know? So at least there's some non-zero value of work that they can still do. Um, is it optimal? No, but at least it's not nothing. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe at the very least it's company and giving advice, right? So now the cars can drive themselves, but can they give recommendations? Right. Exactly. Exactly. It's a lower level paying job or maybe it's not. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, yeah, totally. Huh. Well, Jordan, with respect for your time, we're coming up on 30 minutes. So I want to give you some time to uh, let folks know how they can find you, your website, email, whatever you like, because obviously, um, you know, it's, it's obviously it's great to do this episode with you. And I think your insight on this, on this space is pretty fascinating. So thank you for that. 
Yeah, I appreciate the time. I'm uh, not trying to plug, but no, no, uh, plug away. it's the Beal Group. We're uh, based in the Bay Area in San Diego. Our website's www. If you're still using that, b e a l r e. dot com. And uh, if you're looking to buy or sell, I'm your guy. Awesome. Well, cool, man. This has been pretty swell. Really great to uh, sync up with you on this. Yeah, man. It's good to talk to you, my friend. And I can't wait to see you again in person. Awesome. Sounds good. Take care. Thanks so much. Bye-bye. All right. Well, that's a wrap for today and indeed this week. In case you missed it, you can reach out to Jordan over at their website at beale.re.com. That's B-E-A-L-R-E.com. And coming up next week on Tuesday, we've got Florian Petit. He's the founder of Munich-based Blickfeld. They're the MEMS LiDAR manufacturer that we mentioned a couple episodes back, so you won't want to miss that. But until then, have a wonderful rest of the weekend. Thank you so much for listening. Bye-bye.